we were speaking to Brenda Locke uh, earlier today at the 4 o'clock hour. We talked a little bit about uh, the challenges in the emergency room at Surrey Hospital. We talked a little bit about the fact that her community um, uh, will be home to nearly 400 portables uh, come September in regards to uh, the the uh, primary school system there uh, in Surrey. Uh, yesterday, we spoke to Adrian Dix after he made announcements for the Surrey Emergency Room in regards to providing more resources. Surrey, as you know, grows by 1,500 residents a month. Uh, all of this, at its core, comes down to population growth, not just in Surrey, but the Tri-Cities and North Shore throughout British Columbia. But Metro Vancouver grows in a significant, significant way. Joining me to talk a little bit about our population growth for the next decade and what that will mean when it comes to our resources and services that will be required is Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. Hi, Keith. Hey, Jazz. Uh, you know, when I listen to um, Brenda Locke, uh, you know, she's a bit, ex- uh, she's a bit not concerned, but frustrated. Not even, it's not just the um, issue of portables or even if the healthcare challenges that are there, but it's getting to the point when even they make a decision on whether to approve a, a condo development, a townhouse complex, they really have to pause for a moment and go, well, if we approve this, do we have the resources in our hospitals, in our schools? It just speaks to the challenges that are there for the region. Well, yeah, and again, it was fascinating yesterday. In the context of the Surrey Memorial uh, Hospital uh, changes, we were given the, the what's driving a lot of this is population growth. So we were given by uh, the government yesterday, health ministry, the population projections for BC uh, between 2018 and 2038. For, so for the next 15 years, so province-wide, BC's population 5.4 million at the beginning of this year. That's going to hit to about a million more people between now and the next 15 years to 6.4 million. Fraser Health's going to go uh, up significantly as well. They're increasing 35% to go to about 2.5 million. But Surrey, I, I can see why Brenda Locke would be concerned about anybody who's on Surrey Council or mayor of Surrey has to be concerned. Their growth rate is phenomenal. 42% is the population growth, um, highest in the entire province, if not the country. So go from uh, you know, 400,000, 470,000 back in um, 2018 to almost 700,000 in 2038. That's a huge uh, explosion. This puts enormous pressure uh, on two things in particular, health care and housing. Where do all these people, where will all these people live? And how can the health system absorb the increase province-wide of another million people that currently access the health care system? And how does a place like Surrey, which by the time we get to 2038, will likely have several hospitals built rather than just one and a half they have now. But how does that, how does that community absorb, uh, that community's health system absorb such a population increase? So housing and health care are really, uh, it's a challenge to meet this huge population increase. And part of it's driven by the uh, federal government basically doubling the immigration rate, 500,000 a year, uh, compared to less than 300,000 just a decade ago. Um, people pouring into the provinces. And settlement patterns show that in British Columbia, almost all immigrants, I think 95%, go to Metro Vancouver, South Okanagan, and the capital region. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a very crowded system right now is going to get even more crowded. Yeah, I was I was uh, moderating a, a real estate conference uh, 
earlier this year, and they said all the immigrants that came to Canada in 2022, 19% of them settled in um, in British Columbia. And of that 19%, 16% of the 19% was lower mainland alone, Metro Vancouver. So just to what you're saying, the challenge is profound. Do you think government's up to the challenge? I mean, what I mean by that is not just the capital side of building hospitals and hiring doctors and nurses and teachers, but the cultural shift that's also required and the bureaucracy that needs to catch up and build more housing. I just find that yesterday we did a segment and basically our RBC's report, an RBC report that said we need to build 5.8 million new homes in Canada by 2030. We peaked building homes in this country in 1972 at 220,000. And the number hasn't moved by much. No. So my worry that the government's inability, not just building them, but also getting them approved and moving forward, I, I just think the math doesn't work right now. No, it doesn't. And this is one reason why the provinces are going to really step up the lobbying effort on Ottawa, that if you want to open the taps to that many people coming in to the country, you've got to help us out on housing. And that means funding, and that means training people to um, to actually build homes, train construction workers, but also a role for the federal government in housing the likes of which it hasn't played before. Uh, because, again, the pressure on provinces to absorb this type of population increase is um, is a challenge, to say the least. And, again, it's health care and housing are the two big ones. You know, we've got 900,000 people in B.C. who don't have a family doctor. Uh, we're not graduating, uh, you know, huge numbers of family doctors on an annual basis. So if our population is going to grow by a million over the next 15 years, will that 900,000 without a family doctor start going well more than a million, one and a half million. I just don't think we're keeping pace with the population growth when it comes to trained professionals in healthcare and uh, uh, supply when it comes to housing. It's a, it's a real daunting challenge, and it was really eye-opening yesterday to get these statistics in the context of why Surrey needs to build um, more capacity. And the other alarming part of this is, quite apart from just um, more people, the aging population uh, the people over the age of 64 in uh, in BC is going to increase by 71% over the next 15 years. So those once you hit 64, uh, studies show, or just the data shows, you are more likely to access the healthcare system or need to access the healthcare system. You are more likely to get cancer. Um, and that's a troubling statistic. Again, when uh, the number, one of the other stats we got yesterday is the cancer cases projected over the next 15 years is is going to be huge. The increase is expected to be 82% for the general population and 84% for the population over 65 between 2019 and 2038. That's a heck of a lot of cancer patients. And again, it's reflective of the aging boomer generation. And everyone, and what's funny, it's not funny, it's um, kind of sobering. Everyone saw this coming. Everyone knew the mm -hmm. boomer generation, which is the dominant generation for years, uh, was going to uh, the gray tsunami people talk about. Well, it's starting to happen, and um, uh, it's going to happen with increasing frequency uh, over the next uh, 15 years or so as the baby generation dies off, literally, but before dying off, goes through some pretty serious medical challenges, and the chief of which is going to be cancer. Well, all of this speaks to government's uh, ability to respond to our healthcare challenges, uh, immigration, uh, more schools for education, more services that will be needed. Because if we don't, uh, I do worry about one thing, and you kind of see this on the fringes already, the the, the challenges of, of housing or healthcare, whatever it may be, and there are those, that small element that is anti-immigration, perhaps yeah. racist even, yeah. that are going to use housing. 
healthcare, whatever the issue that may be before us, use that as an excuse for the deeper issue, which is keep the foreigners out, keep the outsiders out. And I do worry about our society well, a little I, bit, and government has to deal with that. I worry about the potential backlash uh, for sure when services are squeezed and supply is squeezed. Uh, there's undoubtedly going to be some lashing out uh, at that sort of stereotypical response, which is very unfortunate. But hopefully it's not inevitable. Um, but, you know, I've, one thing I've learned over the years covering government, governments are, ter- are terrible at long-term planning because they don't get any short-term political gain. <laughs> That's true. Everything's about the election cycle. Well, yeah. Some of these things take a decade of planning, and they do it in some bits, fits and starts and small batches. But really, we don't spend enough money on preventative health for, you know, warding off health care problems 20 years from now because there's no political bang for your buck in the short term as you want to get reelected. And this applies to all governments of all political persuasions. There's no one party that's worse than the other. It's just the nature of electoral politics and government. So that long-term planning that should have taken place to deal with the, the aging boomer population and then the increased immigration that was flagged by the federal government eight years ago, um, when the Trudeau government made it clear that was part of their the cornerstone of their economic policy was they think they can grow the GDP with more workers here. Was, you know, there's two sides to that argument. But you could argue everyone knew this was coming and not enough planning was done. As a result, it's going to be a challenge whether you're Brenda Locker, the mayor of another town in Metro Vancouver, the capital, your population is going to swell and the demand for services is going to swell as well. And it's not clear whether you're going to be able to meet that demand. That is for sure. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. That's for sure. Keith, thank you. All right, guys.